He's worthy. He's worthy. He is worthy, oh God. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in worship. And it is leading us in worship. They're not just singing. I want to just continue to remind us of that. If you just stand for another moment, really have one verse that I want to read before we get into this message. Today we're going to speak about knowledge, developing kingdom knowledge. I'd like to start this message off with just one verse, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Proverbs 1, 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Because people reject God's knowledge. People don't want to hear God's knowledge. They don't want to hear the truth of God's words. And so they end up in bad places. They end up in terrible places. They end up in places they don't belong. Because they shut out the knowledge of God. But fools despise the wisdom and discipline of God. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. Mighty God. For who you are and what you're doing, Lord. And while so many people choose to do their own things and shut you out, we know, God, that your words are true, trustworthy, and reliable. And even though we don't understand them all, oh God, we can trust you, put our hope in you. Help us, Lord, to receive this word today, oh God. Open our minds to receive, open our minds not to be critical, open our mind and heart to receive what you want us to receive today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So what is knowledge? I looked it up, acts, information, and skills acquired by a person through experience or education, acquaintance with or understanding of science or, or art, the fact or condition of being aware of something. But God's knowledge is different than our knowledge. God's understanding is very different than our understanding as well. God didn't gain his knowledge over time. He didn't have to study. He didn't have to glean uh, through trials and errors. And he simply just knows all things. God is omnipotent, and which means all-knowing. And God is all uh, omnipotent and omnipresent. He's omnipotent, and which means all-powerful and all-present. That's a tongue twister sometimes. Uh, but he's everywhere. He's present everywhere. And these are attributes and very important to know and understand. Because when we forget that, when we don't really understand that, when we don't receive his knowledge and his understanding and his wisdom, we start questioning God. Who is he? Who does he think he is? There's sometimes an arrogance there. Why would he say that? Why would he do that? Who does he think he is? Romans 
chapter 11, verse 33 and 36. So the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable is his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? And for from him and through him and to him in all things, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our God is an all-knowing God. And now our knowledge while it comes from God, uh, it is usually inquired. We, we acquire it, I should say, the information, and through experience, through education, and other means. But sometimes God provides it directly to us. It's a direct download. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 8, explains this idea further. Now to each one, the manifestations of the Spirit is given to who and to why? Given to us for common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. And this type of knowledge is received directly from God. It is a download from heaven. It is not book knowledge. It is, it is downloaded. It's not book knowledge. It's, something that you, it's not something that you experience or, or that you have through observation. It is directly given to you. By God, from God, by God, to you. It's a manifestation. It comes upon you for that moment in time. And when it's mixed with wisdom and understanding, great things take place. The results are amazing when we take God knowledge mixed with wisdom, godly wisdom and understanding. And by the way, wisdom is the ability to make right choices. To discern or judge what is true, what is right and lasting. And knowledge is about information. Which is gained through experience and reasoning and, and reasoning and through other means. Knowledge is knowing information, but wisdom is knowing how to use that information. Knowledge cannot uh, can exist without wisdom, but wisdom cannot exist without knowledge. Knowledge is knowing the gun is loaded and knowing how the mechanics of the gun works or the gun safety rules. But wisdom is knowing when and where and how. To use it and better yet when to holster that gun. God wants us to know him and he expects us to know him dearly. He wants to know us but he wants us to know him too and he expects things from us. He expects things from you church. He does. Knowing that he's great but if it never leads to you following him or obeying him then you simply have information with no wisdom. Generally speaking, while all knowledge and wisdom is from God, often it's experienced and studied and observed and learned over time. But we know that God reveals knowledge through creation. God reveals knowledge through creation. The Bible says the heavens declare his glory. Psalms 19 Verse 1 through 4, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voices go out to all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. And even though God's creation displays God's glory and knowledge, people still reject 
His truth. People choose with what they want to believe and in whom they want to believe. And there will be consequences for their denial of God's truths, His words and ways. God's knowledge is revealed to us through creation. And when it's denied and when that truth is, is suppressed, there's consequences. In Romans 1, verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 21 says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, divine nature has been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuses. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. God reveals knowledge through creation. God reveals knowledge through Scripture. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, All Scripture is God-breathed, and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, in righteousness, why? So that the man of God, the people of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God reveals knowledge through people. Romans 15, 13 through 14. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, peace as you trust Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourself are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. God reveals knowledge through our forefathers and the prophets, Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. In the past, God spoke to his forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things through His powerful words. God reveals knowledge through His Son. And we know that is Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Anointed One, the Christ. In Colossians 1, 15 through 18 says about Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by Him and for Him. He's above all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Christ is supreme. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is supreme. God has created us now with the ability to know him, to know Jesus, to experience Jesus through the convicting and convincing power of the Holy Spirit. And God revealed himself to us in many ways, in various ways, through, through creation, through himself, through, through the Holy Spirit, through him walking on the earth. He reveals himself through the words, the Bible. He sent us apostles and prophets and pastors and ministers and people, various people of God who are proclaimers and witnesses 
giving of the word and their witness and their testimony and their actions. God's doing great things in and through them all. So people are without excuses. Yet, many, many people reject him. They reject his love. They reject his words. They reject his mercy and ways. And the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 2, verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. In fact, let, let's read a few more of those verses there. Proverbs 2, 1 through 6. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear towards wisdom, applying your heart to understanding... If you call out for insight and cry out loud for understanding, by the way, that's on us. That's action that we take. That's on us doing these things, right? Crying out loud for understanding. If you look for it as silver and search for it as a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Psalms 19 Begin at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Amen. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making the wise simple. The prophets of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They're more precious than gold. They're more, more pure, much more pure than gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them, as your servants warned, in keeping them, there is a great reward. Now for those who reject Jesus, Jesus warns them of their future destiny. And for those who receive him, he explains their destiny as well. To the one that's going to be pain and suffering in their future. That's just the way it is. You don't have to like it. You don't have to believe it. And so you reject it. For the other, for the Christian, for the born again believer, for those that receive Jesus, there's going to be a reward as well. And we need to know this. We need to understand this. But when we start, to start, when we start speaking about sin, people don't want to hear it. They want the reward, they want the blessing, they want the miraculous, they want the miracles, but they don't yield to God. They want His goodness, but they don't really want Him. They don't want to follow Him, they don't want to follow His ways, they don't want to open up the book and study it. They can't, they like, I can't understand God, I don't really understand what's happening here. They don't understand. They can't understand how God who is a loving God, can also be a judging God. They don't understand that He can love you and banish you from His presence. So I want to speak a few minutes about this idea, and I've heard it so many times in my life, in different forms and fashions, and we, you might have even said this phrase, God loves the sinner and hates the sin. I know I've said it. I've said it many times. I continue to say it in different ways. I usually say, love the sinner, hate the sin.
But even that's really a hard phrase when you really think about it because it puts people into two groups. The sinner and the saint. The saint and the sinner. <clears throat> and it seems to make Christians out to be ones that have no sin. So maybe we should say love people. Hate sin. Because we have all sinned. But I want you to know this phrase is often quoted by giving credit, I should say, to God. It's not biblical. And God never said exactly that. Most don't even realize what they're, who they're actually quoting. They're quoting Mahatma Gandhi, who said, hate the sin, love the sinner. Others suggest that uh, this form of phrase came from St. Uh, Augustine Hippo, uh, well over 300 years after Jesus came. But the important thing is, God never said it. It's not what God said. It's not how he feels. So you can relax just for a moment. What I'm about to say might get you angry and unrelaxed. I don't know. But the truth hurts sometimes. And yet, if we continue to walk in darkness and don't help people to walk in the light, that's actually an unloving act. People are like, you have no tolerance. Because I told you something that wasn't going to be best for your future. No tolerance. Let me tell you something. If something wasn't going to be good for my future, I'd love for you to tell me. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, we live in dark times, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We had appointed people to Jesus. And sometimes we need to point out sin as well. It's actually very loving to tell someone their behavior is hurting themselves or us or others. And when it gets so far out of control, that's why some people actually go so far and they end up in jail. But what's worse than jail is a forever hell. And so it's very loving to kind of tell people how to avoid hell and darkness and damnation. So we want to love people and hate sin. And we want to give them the truth of God's word in love. And, I, and again, I say there's truth here. In that phrase, but it's not biblical. We really need to understand what these things mean. Most of us understand what we're trying to say. We focus on loving that person, not the sin that they're entangled in. But the truth is, many people receive this statement very negative. In fact, we know it's really hard to separate someone's sin and actions from who they are. Especially if that sin was directed towards you or your family or, or your loved ones. It's hard. And yet, forgiveness is what needs to be followed in many cases. Amen. And you're being hard-pressed to forgive sometimes. But knowledge is power when you mix it with wisdom and understanding. You know the truth. Or you have a certain amount of truth. What good is it if you don't know how to use it? Knowledge is power and can be used wrongly and ineffectively. So love the sinner, hate the sin, and yet that's offensive to so many people. Jesus never said that. But take a deep breath, because sometimes that relaxed moment doesn't last too long. Because Scripture actually gives us a different story, but again, a lot of it has to do with us not really understanding certain words and not understanding who God is. God loves people. 
That's a true statement. But scripture also says something here. He hates some people too. This is often not taught in church, and I understand why. You don't grow a church by saying God hates you. It's probably dumb that I'm actually doing it. But it's the scripture here, and we need to understand what's actually being said here. People don't like what's said. We live in this cancel culture where they cancel you out. If you don't agree with their nonsense and lies, they tune you out, call you names, make fun of you, and try to find out ways to harm you. People want easy, not messy. They don't want truth. They want their own truth. But before you turn this off, you stop listening and you shut me down already, just remember knowledge is power if it's used rightly. It can be destructive if it's used incorrectly. My heart's not to mess anyone up, but to give you insight and knowledge about a holy God who wants to equip us for life of service and ministry and for what is to come for us, but also for those who reject Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So first let me remind you of this. John 3.16 tells us that God loves loves the world. He loves us. He gave his only begotten son and doesn't want any of us to perish. No, not one, the Bible says. He doesn't want any of us to perish. He wants us all to have a forever life with him. This is a great love. And so God loves us. He loves us greatly. And he knows us. And he wants us to know him as well. But he hates evil. He hates wickedness, the Bible says, Proverbs 8. And you might want to write some of this down just because you might think, hey, I'm making this stuff up. But Proverbs 8, 12 to 13 says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance and evil behavior and perverse speech. While the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, we also see here that the fear of Lord of the Lord is to hate evil. There are many verses that deal with this hating of evil and that it ought to stop and we should want it stopped. Proverbs 97:10 Let those who love the Lord hate evil. Romans 12:9 says love must be sincere. We ought to love. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love as well. But Romans 12, 9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Amos 5, 15. Hate evil. Love good. Maintain justice in the courts. You know, our courts have gotten so corrupt these days. And we need to know and understand very clearly, God is love, but He's a judge. And whatever He decides is best for us. Whatever He decides is right for us. Let me say this again. Whatever God says is best and right is best and right, and yet we constantly want to question His decisions because we know better. We're smarter than Him. We want to know the why behind His actions. Be very careful when you really start ripping into the things of God for things you don't understand. There's a lot of pride there, church. Pride overtakes you, thinking you're smarter than God, that you're wiser than God, you're more crafty than God, you're you're brighter than Him in so many ways. And therefore, you have a right to make an accusation against a holy God in your words, in your actions, in your deeds, in your life. We hear people say, how can a living God hate people? How can a living God do this or that? Meaning, I know better than God. That my ways and my thinking are more pure than His. 
We do that in so many ways, whether we define it that way or articulate it that way. We're saying we are smarter than God. If you think that way, and you're upset with God because you don't like the story he tells or the actions he takes, repent. You, are, you will lose. You're going down a dark path thinking you're wiser than God, smarter than God. His knowledge is perfect. His understanding is perfect. His ways are right. The problem is we don't believe that. I do. I try to live that way. His ways are right and perfect all the time. He has perfect vision. His vision is better than 2020 vision, right? He sees beyond the normal eye. He sees beyond it all. He sees into the past. He sees into the present. And he sees into the future perfectly. He knows from the end, from the beginning. He knows it all. He knows us better than we know ourselves. The Bible says that our heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? Well, the answer is only God can know it. You don't even know your own wicked heart at times, right? He knows our secret. He knows what we're thinking. He knows even now you're like, yeah, whatever. He understands it all. And it's all going to be exposed to the seeing eyes of God. No height or depth or distance or sea or space or anything can separate you from knowing him. Nor separate you from his love. His knowledge is perfect. And he operates in wisdom and understanding perfectly. His eyes are clear. His thinking is clear. And he's not fickle. And with that he said, he loves people. He hates sin. This is a true statement. But he also can hate sinners at the same time. Those who who have standing opposed in their wickedness and evil and will not receive him, will not submit to his authority. And you might think that's crazy talk, but the truth is, while he hates sin, he hates wickedness, who does he punish? Eventually, he punishes the sinner, right? He's actually not punishing sin, but the sinner. He's not banishing sin from his presence, but he's banishing the person from his presence. And so there's something here about the sinner who rejects him, who refuses to receive him. If they choose to stay in that state, he will eventually reject that person, that sinner, from his presence. God's wrath is not against sin, but that sinner who rejects his ways. Again, it's not against the sin. Now, we had a beautiful morning already with worship and, and, and dedicating these children to raise them up in the ways of God. Their future destiny will be secure in Christ Jesus as they put their hope and faith in Him. No matter what they face on earth, they will have a forever relationship knowing that God loves them and cares for them. But somehow as we turn into adults, we don't care about these things anymore. But the truth of the matter is, Hell is real. Heaven's real. But our hope is in the Lord. Whether you're a believer or not, your hope should be in the Lord. 
We want that for all people. So while people are saying that, hater, 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 no, it's love. It's love. It's love. We're to love the sinner. In a sense, we want that person saved. Now, as humans, we're not perfect beings. And we don't have perfect knowledge and understanding. And we don't use our wisdom rightly. So for us, love the sinner, hate the sin, or rather, love people, hate sin. And so we don't give out God's judgment. I don't judge you whether you're saved or not. I look at your fruit and I wonder. A lot of people out there have rotten fruit. It stinks. But I don't judge whether you're a Christian or not. That's not my job to say you're saved or not. I pray for your soul. But when fruit starts stinking, you got to start saying, Wow, that's me. God hates sin. God hates evil. Scripture makes that very clear. But it seems like he also, in a sense, hates that person who loves sinning more than loving God. The one who refuses to be his child. That person is going to be banished from his presence for all eternity. It's hard words and yet it's true. But this is a mystery. These are play on some of the words and the nuances of the words. And um, he doesn't work and operate like we do. He's perfect in every way. We're not. And so it is that person who rejects Christ, who bunkers down and says, God's not real. I don't like who he is. I don't like what he says. They bunker down against him in their mind and their actions and their deeds. They don't receive Jesus Christ as the anointed one, as the Messiah, the perfect one, then they're the ones that eventually will be judged and punished, not the sin. The sinner is the one ultimately punished. You need to hear this. Let me give you some scripture here. Psalms 5, 4 to 6. Study his words. Figure it out for yourself what it means. You're, you're not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. Wow. The arrogance cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who lie. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men the Lord abhors. Psalms 11, 5 through 7 says, The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked and those who love violence, his soul hates. Oh, the wicked, he will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur, a scorching wind will be their lot. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. Upright men will see his face. Hosea chapter 4, God's people are destroyed. Why? For lack of knowledge. Because they've rejected His knowledge, His words, His truth. They rejected them. And then, and then what happens is their priests are rejected. And therefore their children are ignored. In Malachi chapter 1 and Romans chapter 9, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Very strong language coming from a holy, good, pure, and righteous God. Amen. It's very interesting in what he thinks. But again, he sees things very differently in the way we see things. And his actions are always right and pure and just. And the problem is, when we hear these teachings, you right away start going in. That's why I don't follow him. That's why I don't serve him. And that's why you'll end up in hell. That's right. 
That's not my desire. Don't get me wrong. That's not my desire. The Bible tells us to love our enemies. So we want to see even our enemies saved. And so does the Lord. That's his heart. Why am I stressing this point? Because we're living in the information age and it seems like we don't have information. We're living in the information age and we have these computers and everything. And Google it. Start diving into the word. Open up the book. People love their ignorance. They love their own truth. They want some pastor to tell them what to think. They want some rabbi and priest to tell them what to think. Well, I'll tell you what to think. Open the book and read it and understand it. Stop living in someone else's dreams and desires and move forward to what God is calling you to do. People love their own truth while denying God's words. And you start challenging them, ask them, where'd you hear that? Where'd you get that? Why do you think that's true? Don't attack them. But start asking them and leading them along the way. Why do you feel that way? Did you have a bad experience? Did he let you down in some way? Because what happens, you'll start realizing when God fails you or you believe he fails you, you start harboring ill will towards him. You don't love me. You hate me. We're not talking about God. He loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to set you free. These things that we say are so often not truthful. We misrepresent God's love. He is love. But he's a perfect judge. The Bible says, I will have mercy on who I have mercy. I will have compassion on who I have compassion. I will choose or prefer one person over the other. I don't fully understand all this. I'd be lying if I told you I categorically understand it all. It's a mystery to me. There's two sides of the love and the hate thing. There's two sides of this. There's two extremes. But I trust him even when I don't understand him. I trust him and his words even when I can't fully comprehend all of it. But one thing is certain. One thing I do not doubt. God is love. God is love. But he's also a judge. And he would judge us rightly, and he would judge us perfectly. And so while you can argue all you want, you will not argue yourself into heaven. You will not win that debate with God. So I say, while you have breath in your lungs, stop fighting the one who loves you the most. And yield to him, receive Jesus. Salvation is for today. He loves you. He wants a forever relationship with you. He wants you to be part of his family. He hates sin. He hates wickedness. And I would hate that he banishes you from his presence for lack of knowledge and lack of understanding. And I do not want to stand in front of him and have him say, you did not teach my words. We need to be careful that we don't misrepresent God's words. I am okay with saying, as a human, love the sinner, hate the sin. But we have to remember who actually said this. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Gandhi, not God. There will be wrath from God. There will be wrath that comes against the enemies of God. 
When you stand opposed to God, even in a nice suit and tie and all clean and shaved, you become an enemy of God. Unless you repent and you receive his love. This is not against sin, but against the person who sins. Now what happens if you reject Christ and you continue to re reject Christ? Because you don't know how long you're going to live. We, we heard today that someone, that a, a dad overdosed on drugs. He's on a ventilator. He's possibly going to die, maybe have brain damage. Pray for his soul. We're not at liberty to, to say who that is at this point in time, but many of you here know the family. Reject Christ and you die. Those who are not covered or protected by the blood of the Lamb will suffer great loss. God loves people. This is true. This is paramount to understand. And wisdom and understanding should move you towards God. But sinners will perish if they continue to reject Him and not live by faith. If you choose to remain in your sin, destiny, it will be sold, will be held, and banishment. We are to love the Lord. We are to love the church. We are to love each other. We are to love the people of God. We get that wrong. How do we love the world rightly? If we can't embrace each other and love each other and treat each other with respect, the church I'm talking about, the big church, there's a lot of love in this house. You feel it when you walk in the doors. The way we greet, the way we talk. And I don't mean just me and my wife. I mean a lot of you, most of you, are so friendly and kind. Come on out. You want to experience the love of Jesus? Come on out. But there's a problem in society. We don't understand love. We don't love rightly. People are dying and going to hell. His love has made a way for you to escape the consequences. I want everyone to hear that. But those who don't escape, they will be separated. There is a hell because of your hatred towards him, not his hatred towards you, because he is love. One day, if you don't receive Jesus, what happens? You will stand before him on the great white throne judgment. That will be the final judgment for the wicked prior to them being cast into what? The lake of fire. You can read about that in Revelation 20 if you want to. But do you know, church, at that point, it's too late? You do not get a second chance. You get, might get a second chance on earth. You might. You might get a fifth or eighth or tenth. Because if you're, if, you, if you're on earth, right now, if you're on earth hearing my voice and you are not saved, praise God, he's keeping you alive. But once you die and pass on, you face, you face this lake of fire. The great white throne judgment awaits you. For the believer, we're judged too. Check this out. It's going to be a different judgment. It'll be the judgment seat of Christ. Some call it the Bema seat, where he's judging. But that's where he rewards us. 
For those are his children. We will get a reward, a crown in heaven. Speaking about two Christians, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, For we must all appear, again Christians must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Each one may receive the things done in the body according to what is done, whether good or bad. So we don't work for salvation, we work after salvation unto God. Because we'll be rewarded for our pure heart and our pure work and what we have stewarded well. And it'll be done by fire. It'll burn up. What's bad, what's be left will be the pure, holy things that we've done. But for the sinner, those who remain uncovered, unprotected by the blood of the Lamb, you'll face judgment. It's not your sin that gets punished. It's you. You can curse God and think you know more than Him. But He made a way of escape. But He won't force you to receive Him. This is a good message. It's a hard message, church. I, I struggled with this message. It's a message that needs to be shared. People will either turn towards God or away from God. He won't force you to receive him. He called you. He chose you. You believe him and receive his free gift of salvation. And then you live by faith. The just will live by faith. But then there's a people who choose not to live by faith. They won't receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. They face hell and the lake of fire. If that scares you in any way, good. If that moves you to Christ and salvation, even better. It's not meant to scare you. Oh, you're trying to scare us. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to teach God's words. And developing kingdom knowledge starts with the fear of the Lord and hating of evil. Church, we love too much evil these days. We put up with too much evil these days. In our leaders, in our pastors, in our homes, in our society, we see it. It's a systemic problem. We have gotten away from purity. We have just embraced it. Jesus is love. He hates sin. Jude, chapter 1, 20 through 23. But you, dear friends... Build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothes stained by corrupted flesh. We are to live Godly lives, holy and pure lives, pointing people to Jesus Christ, loving them and showing them mercy. So we truly love people. Hate sin. And we want others to have that same knowledge and experience of God. When you have something good, don't you want to share that with someone else? Or are you selfish? The Lord came to set the captives free. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves us. What good is having the knowledge of God and having the knowledge of His love if it doesn't cause you to hate evil? 
If it doesn't cause you to love Jesus Christ, if it doesn't cause you to want you to receive him as your Lord and Savior, if you won't submit to worship, if you won't submit to his words, then maybe all that information is just useless information to you. But let me be very clear. It is not loving for us Christians to remain silent. It is not loving for us to allow the person to, to stay ignorant and, and not tell that person about the love of God. It's not loving to let them just stay in their sins and thinking that's okay. If they reject Jesus Christ after you would lovingly try to point them to Christ, after you lovingly model Christ in all your ways and, 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 and you press in lovingly in serving people, then that's on them, not on you, where they end up. But that doesn't mean it's okay. That doesn't mean I'm like, oh, great, I did my best, you're going to hell. No, as long as it's life, we're going to pray for you. We're going to press in for you. We're going to root you on. We're going to cheer you on. We're going to encourage you for the things of God. And Romans 1 is so clear, church. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth with their wickedness. God hates wickedness. God hates evil. God hates sin. God hates liars. God hates people who reject His Son and re refuse His truth. Again, while this is, sounds harsh and hard to hear, what should I tell you? A bedside story? So you wake up feeling refreshed? Should I tell you there's no danger around the corner when there is? Should I not tell you the bridge is out and you're going to crash and burn when it is? Should I not tell you where you will end up if you continue to deny the words of God? I want to see you all saved. I want to see you all safe. I want to see you all part of the family of God. I want to see you all part of the community of believers. Whether you go to this church or not, I don't care. I do care. I want you all here. But that's not the point. The point is we, we, we want to see you saved and safe. We want to see you using your gifts and abilities and talents for the glory of God. I want everyone who can hear my voice to walk and work and operate in kingdom principles. Giving glory to God. Whether you're young, you're old, and everybody in between, God wants to do something in your life. He wants us to have his knowledge and he wants us to walk in wisdom and understanding. I don't know about you, but I want to see more souls saved. I want to see the kingdom of God advance. I want to see lives changed and transformed by the power of God, believing that he is more than capable of doing that. And while society might say this is an unloving message, they're wrong. God is love. We are to love people. And we want the best for people. Hallelujah. Now don't run around calling people sinners and yelling at people, sinner, sinner, pants on fire, or soon will be. Don't do that. That helps nobody. That's not loving. That's not compassionate. We're to walk in the knowledge and power and the authority and purposes of God. When we do that, people will draw closer to God. When we do the right things, people will see that. As we get to know God better, as we dwell 
in his presence, as we linger in his house, he will reveal more of himself to us. And so in a moment, I'm just going to close, but I, have, I want to read a couple of verses from Psalms 27. But first, let me just say this quickly. The hour's late, I know. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way, oh, I know of him, but you never invited him to be Lord of your life. Maybe you, maybe you were infant baptized, and so now you think you're saved because someone sprinkled you with some holy water. I don't want to get into all that, but we dedicate. But we're not saying that child's saved. Now, we do believe that child, if they die before that, that understanding or that point of accountability, that they will be with God. But, but people are spending their whole life thinking they're saved when they're really not. They think, oh, I'm a good person. And that's enough. It's not enough. Your goodness is not enough. Your money is not enough. Your education is not enough. Your good looks aren't going to get you there. Why do you keep delaying when a loving God is calling you? Why do you keep rejecting Him when He's calling you? Why do you keep denying His words when He's reaching out to you? Why do you think you're smarter than God? Stop calling Him the man upstairs and start seeing Him as the Holy One, the Great I Am. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Speak to him from your heart. Repent. I'm just going to take another moment. Two simple questions. Do you know Jesus in a personal way as your Lord and Master? Are you serving Him as Lord and Master? And if not, why not? Take that steps of faith. Love to pray with you. Love to introduce you to Jesus. Love to walk you through that. If you're listening online, Call us, email us, or find someone who you know is a, is a believer and have them walk you through. But you can do this anytime. Just repent, receive Jesus, speak to Him from your heart. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Why not today? Just one more moment. That might have been three questions. But why not today? All right. I believe God is working on hearts. It's a hard message, church. But if you've never spoken those words, if you can't say out loud, I am a Christian, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, if you cannot say those words publicly, you are probably not saved. And I challenge you today to start speaking out these words, I am a Christian. I hold on to the promises of God. If you cannot do that, then your destiny is not secure. It's not just those words, but you have to say it and mean it from your heart. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But if you cannot declare it, if you cannot speak it out, I worry about you. I worry about you. Why are you holding that back and not 
declaring that you are saved, that you are different. Psalms 27, and I close. Verse 3, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though weak break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of the tabernacle and set me on high, upon a high rock. My heart is that every one of us will seek more of God. To dwell in His house, to get to know Him better, as we open up our hearts and draw nearer to Him. One thing, one thing, one thing it should be to truly seek after God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to desire to dwell in His presence. Let's do that. For those who have a few more minutes and can stay, I understand the hour's late. These altars are open. But let's seek the Lord and let's listen to these words. If you feel led, come to the altar. We'll pray with you. If you need healing, we'll pray with you too.